Quest of Bliss, a podcast about finding light in the darkness. This episode was produced by Cappy Productions. Today's episode is brought to you by the musical stylings of After Dark. They have fantastic music. It always reminds me of pop music from the 90s in the best way. It's so comforting and wonderful. And I happen to know the artists. And they have been very supportive and are sponsoring today's show. And I couldn't appreciate them more. So go to Spotify, look up After Dark. It'll be the one that has the song Colors and Breakaway. And oh my goodness, they're just so fantastic. I'm so excited for you to hear them. So big thank you to After Dark, and here we go. Hello, and welcome back to The Conquest of Bliss. I am here with J. Robert Parker from Twin Ravens Hypnotherapy. He is a certified master hypnotherapist. Hypnotist. (laughs) All right. All right. And how are you today? I'm fantastic. Thanks for having me on. I am so, so excited to talk to you today. And so I'm going to just dive right in. And can you explain a little bit about what hypnotherapy is? Because I imagine it's not a toad with with uh, whirling eyes like we see on Family Guy. Uh, no, uh, the hypnotoad <laughs> is to be acknowledged and worshipped, however. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all glory to the hypnotoad. Um, but hypnotherapy... It's kind of a very broad subject. Um, Mm -hmm. Everything we do, everything about us, the reason we we react to situations the way we do, the reason we think about things, the entirety of how we go through life is our associations, our subconscious associations. Uh, You don't touch a hot stove because you know that that feeling that's coming off of it and look of it is associated with heat, which is associated with pain, so you don't touch it. If you yeah. do not have those subconscious associations, you just go around touching stoves. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what I do is not all of those associations are always healthy. I take associations and I change them to more positive things to give the simplest possible answer of what it is that I do. <laughs> um, hypnosis, people... I'll use a very easy one with smoking. People Mm -hmm. come to me to stop smoking, talk about how I've tried for years to stop smoking. I want to stop smoking. I just can't. Well, the reason for that is you consciously want to, but you subconsciously do not want to and are comfortable at that point and usually still have some of the original associations that made you start smoking that are still unaddressed. Mm -hmm. So... I go in with hypnosis and I address those core associations, change them around to more healthy associations and make a non-smoker out of you. That's that's applied to everything that I do. That's fantastic. And I actually have questions about the smoking thing um, just because it's, it's really interesting to me. Um, So I've known a handful of people. I feel like a lot of people in the generation previous to mine used hypnotherapy, hypnosis to try to quit smoking. And the success rate seems to be about 50-50 from uh, obviously only anecdotally. Um, Mm -hmm. So the people who were not successful, what would cause that? Is that that they needed more sessions or perhaps that they weren't Um, aware of the associations to break? Well, there's a couple of reasons for that. Um, First and foremost is why did they want to quit? Uh, that's the first question I ask someone when they get in contact with me to stop smoking. If you tell me my wife is on getting on me to stop smoking or I can't smoke at work anymore, so it's just inconvenient, you don't want to quit <laughs> subconsciously. So you're, you're not going to quit. But if you come to me and you say, I my health is starting to deteriorate and I know I need to do this or... I want to quit so my kids don't come up around cigarettes. Like something that's the core, you actually have this desire. You just still have the associations. That's what can help. Uh, another issue is, I'm sure you've heard that statistic, that only 80% of people can be hypnotized or whatever. Oh, that's no, I haven't. A lie. No, that's a lie. Good. So oh. you haven't heard it. Uh, <laughs> everyone can be hypnotized, but part of the problem is, is previous to uh, 
the school of hypnosis that I subscribe to literally and metaphorically, um, everyone used literal speech for, to do hypnotic suggestion. Your eyes are getting heavy. You are feeling sleepy. Okay. Uh, for about 20% of the population, that doesn't work. Uh, you have to use inferential speech. So if it was a traditional old-style hypnotherapist that only uses authoritative inf uh, literal speech, that section of the population is not going to respond to that at all. Ooh, okay. So um, this is just supposition, but do you think that has to do with the inherent contrarianism? Because like when someone tells me I am anything, I tend to be the type to be like, no, I'm not. And and suddenly I'm like, like actively not that thing. Someone tells me I'm getting sleepy. I'm like, I'm so awake and I don't do it on purpose. But do you think that that's well, why? No, that, that means you're an emotional. <laughs> um, so to explain what that means, uh, the, the system that I work under uses what is called the ENP suggestibility system. Uh, okay. emotional and physical. Uh, there is a suggestibility end to that, and there is a behavioral end to that. Okay. Uh, the behavioral end has more to do with helping people with their interpersonal relationships, but the suggestibility... Um, so, there are four basic suggestibility types, and this is a test that I have all of my clients take before I actually see them. And uh, there's emotional and physical... And those are kind of misleading terms because they don't, that doesn't necessarily speak to what they are. So a physical, um, that's the literal person. That's the, that's what most hypnosis previously has been speaking to. If you ever see someone that's very social and outgoing, that's very physically flamboyant and they put themselves out a lot, that's a physical. Okay. They tend to speak inferentially, but must be spoken to literally for hypnotic suggestion. Okay. Um, then on the other end of that, there is the emotional. Emotionals, their prime characteristic is emotionals have an issue with control. Like you said, <laughs> I do, you can I tell do. them your, your eyes are getting heavy and your first response is, no, they're not. I don't feel that. <laughs> so with an emotional the way you say things is inferential, whereas because it's a, you must speak to an emotional inferentially and they will speak literally. <laughs> so instead of saying your eyes are getting heavy, you say you may begin to feel your eyes getting heavy. Mm. If you wish to here in the next few moments, you can allow your eyes to close. So you. it's, you're not telling them anything. <laughs> in between that, there is something called a synambulist. They're the ones that hit 50-50 on the scale. Uh, they're the reason stage hypnosis exists. They are the most hypnotically suggestible portion of the population. It's about 5 to 10% of the population. Um, they all but walk around in trance. Uh, oftentimes, they do quite literally walk around in trance. And that's one of the things I have to teach them is how to recognize that and how to get yourself out of that. Okay, um, okay. And that's... All of stage hypnosis is based around tests to find these people in the audience. And once you find a synambulist in the audience, you're all set. You can pretty much do whatever you want. That's um, so, so cool. The fourth suggestibility type is what I am. It is the biggest pain in the ass out of all of them. <laughs> it's uh, what's called the intellectual suggestibility. It's the high, high emotional. So uh, once you get above 80 on the emotional scale, you are considered what I am. And the control issues become more extreme. Uh, the way that you hypnotize uh, an intellectual is much different than the way you would hypnotize anyone else. It has to be much more of the their idea thing. <laughs> uh, but none of these suggestibility types are any more or less hypnotizable than the other one. It's just the methods that you must use to get to that state. That's all it means. And that's the purpose of the test. Um, and I said, there's a relationship aspect. Um, I'm not a couples counselor, but I will work with people with their relationships based on this. Okay. So um, 
Can I can I ask a question? Is yeah, like no, absolutely the relationship one. What um what might that look like? Like, does someone? I know you're probably about to answer this, but um, <laughs> what does that like? If if I were to come, like, because you're not a relationship counselor, would I need to be aware of the issues that I'm having in the relationship? Like, say no. I'm overly sensitive or I'm behaving this way. No. Not at all. Uh, the only thing when I say I'm not a relationship counselor, the only thing that means is I legally cannot see couples at the same time got you um i i can work with couples and i can work within the relationship but there's just certain boundaries i have that i have yeah parameters um so a good example is let's say you have one person in a relationship who is a high physical in terms of behavior that means they're going to be very outgoing. Uh, they are going to be very into um, physical affirmations of love. They view sex as a physical affirmation of love in the relationship and physical contact and things like that. Um, they are naturally going to attract somebody who is a high emotional in terms of behavior. And that's where the issues start to come into play. Uh, because to a physical, like I said, um, physical love, sex, touching, all of that is an affirmation of love. And to them, if they pull that away, that is that's rejection. Mm -hmm. Well, to an emotional, sex is not that important. To them, it's more about the interpersonal connection of the relationship. It's more about the security and the safety of the relationship. And they don't view sex and physical contact as that be all end all in a relationship. So what you end up with is one side just kind of doesn't think anything's that big of a deal and is going on with the security of it. And the other side straight up feels rejected because mm -hmm. this person isn't as sexual with them as they would be. And they don't understand that this person thinks differently. This person has different priorities to an emotional career and security is the most important part of their world to a physical. It's the relationship itself. So if you don't know what the other side's playing with, if you don't know what's important to the other person, because we just assume that it's the same thing that's important to us, mm -hmm. that's, Tacitly not true. So you have to acknowledge these things. You have to tell the emotional partner to feel a little more consciously giving of your physical affection. You have to tell the physical partner. You have to recognize that your partner just doesn't view sex as as much important of a thing, and they're not rejecting you when they're not as interested in physical contact. Mm -hmm. Just understanding. That, that's very interesting. Um, so. I, oh, okay, so I have, I have a question about um, sort of, I feel like hypnosis for a long time was mostly understood as stage hypnosis, is mostly like this, almost like it, it was viewed publicly as like a parlor trick that people could do. No one was really sure if there was anything actually happening there. And I know that as time has gone on and we've discovered other psychosomatic uh, tools like EMDR and bilateral tapping, hypnotherapy mm -hmm. has really come in and and taken its place in the mental health field. So, can you speak yes. a little bit to how that transition happened, or or are you do you know kind of what happened there? Yeah. Um. Well, that transition was very rocky. <laughs> uh, there's the the whole history of hypnosis is filled with, um. People who didn't know better and people that didn't like it. Sigmund Freud single-handedly saw to hypnosis being suppressed in mainstream uh, mental health circles. Mm -hmm. uh, and the last time we hit a roadblock was the 1980s during okay. the whole satanic panic thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, where everyone thought that the devil was talking to them through BG records and stuff. Um, <laughs> Back hypnotherapists were employed to help kids remember what happened to them Ooh. and 
in the process of that, they their remembrance of the situation was altered by the hypnotherapist to more to be more of an indication of abuse and some weird demonic thing happening. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. hypnosis was used to alter memory at that point, uh, which is normally something that is used for therapeutic purposes, but it all it also has nefarious uses as was displayed there. Now, since the 80s, there has been a lot of medical and psychological research being done as to the efficacy of gnosis as an adjunct to things like cancer treatments or trauma treatment, anything like that. Um, and it's not to say hypnosis treats cancer, but what that means is hypnotherapy as an adjunct to treatment. So you are working with patients who are undergoing cancer treatment to have less anxiety, to be less afraid, to be more accepting of the treatment and in a better headspace to be able to heal. And yeah. there have been significant uh, like statistical studies and all manner of things show that yes, it does help. And it's it's such an odd tool that I have because <laughs> it can literally be used for anything from helping dress deep-seated trauma to helping you play a better game of golf. <laughs> there's there's such a wide variety of uses for this tool. And and I'm I'm really curious about um, you know you mentioned very briefly sort of nefarious purposes and memory alteration. And I mean, memory alteration is such a funny thing because we already do that naturally, um, even without hypnosis all the time. But of course, I guess the question that begs an answer in, in this whole thing is how do we know who is safe to give that power to, that training to? Do we have a way to determine that like further than we do with um, regular? Well, not at all. Uh, <laughs> In fact, uh, and this is an important thing, hypnotherapy is an unregulated profession by design. Oh. Um, so you will get people that have taken a six-hour weekend class that call themselves hypnotherapists. Uh, I took a 720-hour college program from a institution that specializes in hypnotherapy. Okay. That's why I'm a member of a union uh, that's why I have the credentials and I'm able to speak on it the way I do. But yeah, I, I advise people be very careful when they select a hypnotherapist. Very much vet that person's education. You need to know exactly how this person is giving some, themselves that title of hypnotherapist. Because um, like I said, there is everything from a weekend class to a full one-year college program with an internship mm -hmm. and they all call themselves the same thing yeah um one of the things i can give to people is uh always look for certified something yeah. you must be certified you'd be the master hypnotist hypnotherapist you cannot legally call yourself certified anything unless you are actually certified by a body mm -hmm. um and to kind of you said how uh, these things happen every day without hypnosis. Mm -hmm. uh, we alter memories without hypnosis. Are you sure about that? Yeah. Um, I, well, I mean, not, maybe what not. What if I sure, told sure. you hypnosis was a nas natural process that we're in twice a day? I would not have ever heard of that before, and I would love to hear more. That's what I would say. <laughs> um, have you ever woken up in the morning? Uh, when you're still in bed and kind of had this eureka moment. Everything kind of comes together. Things make sense. You know what you have to do. You have this clarity upon waking. You ever experienced that? Absolutely. That's hypnosis. Yeah. Uh, for 30 minutes after you wake up and for 30 minutes before you go to bed, your mind, the, the waves in your brain mm -hmm. are in trance state. Uh, you are in a hyper-suggestible trance state. So you are absolutely capable of altering your own memories in that state. 
you are self-hypnotizing every day and giving yourself suggestions every day and you don't even know it. And that's kind of why I do these interviews, why I work with people, because there's this whole system at play that most people don't even know for sure even exists. And it affects everything. The way you think, why you think, your your motivation to do anything. It's it's absolutely everything. Um, and if you're not aware of that, if you're not aware of the significance of that system at play, mm-hmm. what are you doing to yourself? Yeah, like that's that's really incredible and, and a really powerful thing um, to know about yourself and about other people because obviously other people would be just as suggestible. So that might be dangerous. Maybe I shouldn't have mentioned that. Um, but uh, <clears throat> so when you work with clients, um, do you generally give them like tools and instructions to work on at home to continue the, the work? Uh, that's most of what I do. Uh, it's every, every session that someone has with me, I'm going to teach you something new. I'm going to give you a new tool. There's going to be something you can take away from this. Mm -hmm. Um, One of my favorite things to do in terms of tools to give people is there's something called an anchor. Uh, Sometimes heard it referred to as like a post-hypnotic suggestion. Okay. Well, it's not just words that can be used for that. It can be uh, gestures, uh, Tappings often used in conjunction with anchors. Um, it can be any sense at all. So I use quite often our most powerful sense memory, smell, because oh. we all have smells that take us back to a moment in childhood or a place that makes us feel a certain way. Absolutely. Very, very, like we can secure that memory to that smell. So I do that in hypnosis. I I take people to the state they want to be to, be it anxiety-free or free of whatever emotion they don't want to be. And I introduce that smell and I link it to that state. So even later, if they're dealing with anxiety or sadness or anger or even um, temptation to smoke or eat or whatever have you, they can smell that thing and go back to that place where they are free of those desires or those feelings that they don't want. That's so interesting. And so that that trigger that you're talking about, that's sort of like the, if you snap your fingers, you're going to bark like a dog mm-hmm. sort of thing, like the trope, but the yep. real version of it. Yep. Okay. Yes, <laughs> that, is, that is the actual version of cluck like a chicken. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So I guess the, the next question um, that I'm really, really interested in hearing about is trauma work and how yes. hypnotherapy plays into trauma work. And like specifically the first question would be when you change or alter a memory, are you altering just the memory itself or the associations with that memory? You know, like because trauma... Um, often will trigger fight or flight, right? And that's a big problem that a lot of people who have been traumatized have. So how does it affect the the cascading effects from that trauma that have already kind of integrated themselves into someone's mind? Well, if you're in hypnosis, we've already triggered fight or flight. That is part of the induction of hypnosis is triggering that sympathetic system and kind of bootstrapping the parasympathetic nervous system to come in. So we okay. take you to that fight flight and we glaze over it to go right to parasympathetic, which is that calm. Mm-hmm. Um, trauma is actually one of my specialties, trauma Ooh. and fear specifically. Um, and the way it works with trauma is perspective. Um, when we undergo a traumatic event, mm-hmm. we are... We we always regard it how we were in that moment. So Mm -hmm. if you were traumatized by a car accident at eight years old, you are always going to remember that memory as the eight-year-old version of yourself, Mm -hmm. eight-year-old's emotional maturity and intelligence. 
until such time as it's readdressed. Mm -hmm. And the way we do that with hypnosis is I do use a form of regression. Uh, but instead of taking you back to that moment to experience that thing first person, I take you back third person so you can observe the event so you are able to rationalize it with your adult mind. Uh, and sometimes I'll even have people interact with their subconscious from that level to explain things to them. Oh my um, God. <laughs> I'll tell you a fascinating Brilliant. story. Uh, this is a recent podcast I just did. It hasn't been published yet. Um, but if uh, people want to look into this afterwards, keep an eye out. It's called the What the Fear podcast. And I was brought on with um, a, um, we'll, we'll just say, uh, special forces operative okay. from another country. And he had a fear of heights. Mm -hmm. And I, I this, and again, this is on the podcast, on the spot, I tranced him and took away the fear. And afterwards watched him hang off a balcony. Oh my but goodness. What I did is I, I took him as deep into trance as he was willing to go because it's, it's interesting to watch people at that point. And I had him go back to the moment that started the fear, which was uh, parachute training. Okay. Um, where you all kind of jump off a plane. And he said ever since that time, he's been afraid of heights. He'll deal with it because of his job, but he still has fear that must be overcome. And I take him back to that moment. And he later said that he could smell the fuel from the plane. He felt the vibration under his feet. And remember why he had the fear. And this is the most fascinating thing that I still think about every day. It wasn't his. It was a kid that jumped before him. Who oh. screamed in terror before he jumped. And for decades, decades, this man has been carrying around this kid's fear and didn't even know it. But through that hypnotic regression back to that moment, he was able to one, get that part that he hadn't even thought about before and kind of have this revisioning of the moment. Mm -hmm. Said that he, he altered in his head the way that he thought about that moment based on what he now knew. And he's he sent me a text message the next morning saying that for the first time he woke up not freaked out from from heights and from that general fear. Um and that was one of the most profound things I've ever seen. And plus it really gave me questions as to what are we carrying that mm -hmm. we either is not ours or is a misinterpretation. Mm -hmm. And so that's where the perspective comes in. By taking him back to that and allowing him that new perspective, it instantly erased his fear. Like, he would talk about how whenever he went to a balcony and he leaned over, his head would feel heavy and he would feel like he was falling forward to the point that his friends would have to pull him back. I literally went and watched this man go walk over to his balcony with his laptop and just hang over backwards from his balcony and be like, oh, I don't feel anything. That's amazing. Um, so, yeah, so it's a profound change. Well, and I have a, a further question about, about the trauma thing, because that's incredible and honestly makes a lot of sense to me. Like the more I learn about, about you know, how the sort of somatic systems work with the, um, the psychological system. But okay, so the question I have, though, is a lot of people with trauma, including myself, suffer from pretty significant memory loss. So what do you do when someone doesn't even know where to go back to, where to re-examine because so much of it's been, been erased. We deal with the symptoms. Um, if your subconscious has forgotten a thing or is withholding a memory from you, I'm not going to touch it. You're, it. It's trying to protect you. You don't remember that for a reason. So what I do at that point is I just ask, what what are the symptoms of what you're dealing with? Like, is it panic attacks? Is it is whatever it may be? 
And I just begin working with those symptoms. Mm -hmm. I make you less anxious. I take the edge off of your panic attacks. And then sometimes in that process, there's a memory that comes up naturally. Mm -hmm. And then we will deal with it as it comes. But as to actively seeking out repressed memories, that's a no-no. Um, and people, and I've, I've, I've spoken on this a few times, because people have emailed me in the past asking for help recovering memories. And that's one of the few things I will tell you no on. Interesting. Because uh, how do we know what we're recovering is the truth? Like mm -hmm. you said, all memory is changed by our perception. So you're just going to be remembering your perception and your perception might not be healthy. Mm -hmm. So we're not going to get you any answers. We're just going to re-traumatize you at that point. Mm -hmm. Now, if in the process of acknowledging your trauma, um, there is a memory that comes up. If there is something that we have not forced to the surface, but rather presents itself at the surface, that's something that we can then explore. Mm -hmm. um, and there are safe ways to explore that. There's a multitude of techniques that I can use to basically cause degrees of separation to the memory. Mm -hmm. It's like a matter of... I was just going to say similar to the sort of uh, reparenting type technique that you were talking about where yes. you go in as a third party. Yes. Yeah. And uh, that's one of the things, actually, it's funny you say that. One of the things that I try to convey to my clients is we are, we are our parent now. Like, that's what being an adult is. Being an adult is parenting yourself. Mm -hmm. And there is, once you acknowledge that, there, it, adulting becomes a little easier. Because it becomes a form of self-care. It becomes a form of self-love. And I will do one of the most powerful tools that I use that I wasn't even too sure about at first <laughs> is uh, what's called inner child work. Mm -hmm. Which mm -hmm. is where you will actually introduce your client to their perception of their inner child. And there is such an unusual amount of healing that is done from that. And mm -hmm. it was one of those things that when I took the course on it, I was like, is this really a thing? <laughs> this surely. And till I had a client and that was the only option for where we could go with their, with their therapy is we had to address what went on in their childhood. And the only way to address that was inner child work. And it was a profound change in, in their therapy and in the way that they viewed everything just from that first session. And ever since then, it's one of those things that I'm very quick to, to take people through inner child work because so much of what we do is based in our childhood. Mm -hmm. Even if it's tangentially related, it's based upon something that happened in childhood. Well, I mean, and that totally makes sense to me because you, as you were saying, and, and this was actually something that I already knew, is that our memories, when we go back and we revisit them, we are revisiting them at the age and time and mind frame that we were in there. So it makes sense that, that those quote unquote children of our past, those versions of ourselves need to heal and need to be seen. Yep. Um, so I have, I have another question that's a bit, a bit weird, so stay with me. But I imagine that you, you work a lot with, with traditional therapy. Um, at least your clients, you know, will, will be working with both. But do you mm -hmm. end up finding yourself working as well with people on the more sort of spiritual side? Yes. Um, one of the things I will do is past life regression. I have clients that some of the work that we do is on spiritual focus. Like I have clients that do Reiki that through their hypnosis work, they try to more closely focus their talents. Gotcha. And 
to me, it's not a matter of whether or not I believe in this thing you're wanting help with, because one, this doesn't involve me. Mm -hmm. And two, the effects of that hypnosis are profound, no matter what you think is actually happening. Mm -hmm. uh, I still, no matter how many times I have done it, I, I don't have any sure answer for you on past life regression. And I myself believe in reincarnation personally, but I don't know what I'm, I, I, I don't know what I'm doing, but I don't know exactly what it is that's going on. Mm -hmm. People will often ask after a regression like that, was that real or was that all in my head? And the only thing I can ever say to that is yes. Um, <laughs> well, and that makes sense. And, that makes sense because your perception is your reality, you know? So, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. If it was real to you, it was real enough. Yeah. Precisely. Oh, so, man. Are, are we extracting historically accurate data from past regressions? Uh, oddly enough, sometimes. Uh, but most of the time, it's a matter of perception. There have been some unusual cases in real life or pre-birth regression, as they're called, where you have like eight-year-old kids giving you tactical troop movement data from Da Nang and oh things like gosh. that. Like people that pop up speaking other languages. It's called xenoglossia. It's the random speaking of a foreign language. Oh, I've heard of that. It's that uh, has, Yeah. It's a symptom, right? Uh, Usually, it's we don't know what it is in terms of past life regression because it occurs during the hypnotic regression. That's incredible, and um, that's that's one of the reasons that there still exists a whole lot of questions behind <laughs> what exactly is it that we're doing because this isn't just an imagery journey at this point. If you're giving historically pertinent data or you're speaking in a language that you should have no knowledge of, that's not just what we call hypnodrama at that point, which <laughs> is the same thing as uh, regressing into a previous memory. It's then what are we working with there? And that's part of that's my company's full name is uh, Twin Ravens Hypnotherapy and Research. And one of the areas that I am looking into doing research in is past life regression and exactly what is going on with that. Yeah, that's so cool. Like if I were to make a guess, and of course I'm not experienced or done any research, but if I were to make a guess, I'm thinking genetic memory, possibly, if it's not something spiritual, because I mean, I don't really know. I, I decided a long time ago that I don't quite need to decide on what I believe in and all of those things. But, you know, it, it could be either. It could be, you know, like mm -hmm. we have proof of genetic memory being a thing of how, you know, a murder will get mad at someone and then their baby little, their little baby crows will stay mad and yeah. stuff like that. So it yeah. could be Our something Our flies like exist on genetic memory. Yeah. Uh, so it is a thing that exists and consciousness research, which is basically what we're, <clears throat> what we're talking about is really the forefront of hypnotherapy and it's a generally new science uh but we let's see we, we we work directly with the conscious mind and the subconscious mind what could be considered your consciousness what makes you you and it's the most unusual thing because we we work with that we get scientifically significant results, but there is not a single hypnotherapist on earth that can tell you exactly what it is that they're working <laughs> with. And yeah. Why? Because we don't know what consciousness is. Mm -hmm. So that's, that is one of the primary uses of hypnotherapy is this, it's, it's an expanded state of consciousness. It's, mm -hmm. If anyone listening ever wants to know what hypnosis is like, don't get out of bed. Like when you wake up in the morning and you're in that kind of semi-awake state, explore that state. That's that's hypnosis. You are able to, within that, that state, explore parts of your mind that you're not normally able to have access to. That's why we have those eureka moments. That's why we're able to make sense. 
excuse me, of things in that moment and that's, is, oh, sorry. is that close connection. Go ahead. Um, that's theta waves, right? Um, theta. I should have this written down somewhere. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, theta is hypnosis. Okay. <laughs> I, ha- I have to keep it written down because I get it mixed up because my memory is awful. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, mine too. I just, yeah, I thought theta was the one. I didn't realize it was hypnosis as well, but I knew that when yes, you first theta wake is up, the hypnotic state. they tell you that that's the best time to do affirmations. That's the best time to do all of these different little exercises is right before bed or right when you wake up because it, you know, seems to seep in better. Like, like sort of integrate better. you're giving better. yourself hypnotic suggestions. Yeah, that's wild. Uh, yep, that's exactly why. Um, that's It's just really incredible. And so the next question that I would have is because it's so hard to find and because like, like what are options for people in, you know, when traditional therapy, I, I keep saying traditional therapy, I don't know what you would call it, but like talk therapy. Traditional therapy. And yeah, okay. So when tr- traditional therapy isn't meeting that need. And I know that there are people who that's their experience or they just don't want to go to the tradition for whatever reason. If people are looking for um, hypnotherapy, what should they do? What does that process look like to find someone who is going to be safe? Because that's one of the things that's scary is the vulnerability of it. Um, Go to um, unions. There's a few hypnotherapist unions. There okay. are a few hypnotherapist colleges. Most of them will keep a roster mm. of certified hypnotherapists, master hypnotists. Um, there is an organization that I may or may not begin to work with uh, that I'm trying to decide whether or not I want to give them the plug, even though I'm not affiliated yet. <laughs> Actually, yeah, I will. Because it's still a good idea, even if I choose not to, to do it. There's this website called Heal.me. That Heal? Is like H-E-A-L? Heal.me. Okay. And what they're trying to do is become the uh, the alternative medicine WebMD. Okay. And they have listings of vetted and verified professionals on there with their background and their credentials. Um, so there are there are many ways to do this. You just have to do a little homework. And of course, I tell people that I am always an option. I work strictly remote. I oh. only see a small handful of people uh, in person. But I would say 95 to 98% of my business is fully remote. I see people all over the world. Uh, There's actually days that I have to keep a different schedule because that's when I schedule my clients from India. And I have to kind of, yeah, it's, that's a brutal day uh, (laughs) because I have to kind of swap around my sleep schedule for a little bit because I basically have to wake up at four in the morning (laughs) to start doing my appointments because India. Yeah, when I've worked with people in India, it's, it's 12 hours exactly from where I am. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, so it's, that's a little rough, but I do, the, hypnosis is not at all affected by the distance. You would think that it's something that you would need to be close to someone for, but that's not at all the case. Uh, if you can hear my voice, I can trance you. Uh, Video is preferred because I like to be able to observe reactions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is not necessary. I can do it with just my voice. I just use vocal confirmations. The, when you feel this, simply say yes instead of nod your head or lift your finger. Um, so it's... That's... That's one of the advantages, I guess, of, of the modern times in this is mm-hmm. it's you're not you're not restricted to locally who you are normally going to be restricted to for like a doctor or something like that. This is something capable of being done remote. Well, and I think that that's fantastic news. Um, so I'm actually going to before we go. OK, I have one more question before. Uh, OK, one more question. And that question is. 
do, like you said that there's a lot of research coming around, and then you also mentioned that it's considered to be an alternative practice. Do you mm-hmm. see hypnotherapy coming into the mainstream anytime soon? Because yes. EMDR and bilateral tapping are already in the mainstream. Mm-hmm. I can't see any reason that it won't. What do you think is sort of no. preventing it from, like, why is it still considered alternative, I guess, is the question. That's a good question, because in terms of if you lump the quote-unquote alternative practices together, uh, hypnotherapy has probably the most credible research behind mm-hmm. it. Um, but it's... I don't know what's holding back its credibility. Part of the problem is the wild variety you will get of people calling themselves hypnotherapists. Mm. We'll get everything from very educated people attempting to do therapeutic things to I paid twenty dollars for a class off Facebook Live. <laughs> and now I'm trancing people. <laughs> um, so it's I almost encourage it not to go mainstream because if it goes mainstream, it will cease to be accessible. Mm-hmm. And that is part of the reason that I tolerate this this group of hypnotists that don't have as much training because I kind of feel like at that point, it's evident. People mm-hmm. aren't going to scramble anyone's brain with hypnosis. The worst you're really going to do with a weekend hypnotist is nothing. You're just going <laughs> to fail to do what money. you need to do. Uh-huh. And the bad part to that is, is it does kind of at that point uh, screw with hypnotherapy's success ratio. Yeah. Because if somebody could, if somebody goes on to a smoking forum and says, oh, I tried hypnotherapy for six months to stop smoking and it never worked. Uh, probably saw a bad hypnotist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that totally uh, makes sense. Yeah. Um, well, and because so, like I said, I, I've seen, um, like, I've never seen it grouped together with the alternative modalities before. And I think mm-hmm. the modalities, the alternative modalities are kind of hit and miss um, as far as what I sort of believe in. And I think yeah. that part of that's going to be the fact that, you know, the reason we have so many modalities is because different things work for different people. Um, but before we go on to our super, super fun game, can you tell people how they can find you if they are interested, yes. how they can reach you? Um, the easiest way is through my website. It's www.twinravens.org. Uh, there's contact forms on there. You can find us on Facebook. I think it's facebook.com slash twin ravens hypno uh instagrams at twin ravens hypno um i know i should plug the twitter but uh my partner is my social media manager and i've not gotten that information from them <laughs> okay just uh, give but me- we're on twitter <laughs> uh, or you can email me directly uh at j robert parker at protonmail.com and if you have any questions at all, if you want to see the research that I cited, anything at all, shoot me an email, check the site out. Feel free to ask me any question that might come in your head. That's fantastic. And for those who are wondering, it is at Twin Ravens Hypno on Twitter. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just quickly looked it up. <laughs> I was like, I can solve this. I have the technology. <laughs> all right. So are you ready to guess some Irish slang? Yes. All right, we'll start with an easy one. I figure I know this, so you probably do too. What is acting the maggot? Acting the maggot? Probably just being a scummy person. Uh, close. It's it's fooling around, messing around. So when you're like teasing oh. someone. Oh. Yeah. Oh. So it's like it's like being That's a... so awful. Being like a clown. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Um, what does banjaxed mean? Banjaxed? I have... Wow, you are <laughs> pulling some out that I've never heard. Jesus. Uh I'm gonna I'm gonna gish drunk. It means broken. So that chair is really banjaxed. Banjaxed, yeah, all right. I might have to use that. I like that. This one this <laughs> one I'm I'm sure 
Well, I, I don't want to say I'm sure you'll know. Who knows if you'll know? I don't know. Black stuff. What's the black stuff? Black stuff? It's been a long, hard uh, day. I need me some black stuff. Oh, coffee? Or no, Guinness. It's Guinness. Guinness. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, what is a chancer? A chancer? Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I know it's not going to be what I'm thinking because I'm thinking it's a gambler, but that it, it actually is. It's a risk taker. Oh God. All right. Nice cool. And simple. Nice and simple. All right. We're going to do two more. What's a bad dose? Bad dose. Mm-hmm. Probably a bad day. It's actually just getting sick. It's like a, an illness. Oh. So oh. you got a bad dose of it, didn't you? Oh. Um, and then. We're going to use my personal favorite, crack. Crack? Yeah, it's spelled C-R-A-I-C. Oh, that's, that's Gaelic. Um, I don't know because it's Gaelic. That's not... <laughs> it's actually funny. That's the first, English. first Irish saying I ever, uh, Irish slang I ever learned. It means fun. So, like, we had some real oh. great crack last night, you know? Uh, <laughs> uh, the only Irish slang that I really recall is vinegar strokes. Oh, and I don't and know what that means. <laughs> what, what's the rating of this podcast? Because it's uh, not explicit. Exactly. It's explicit. <laughs> uh, the vinegar strokes are the last few strokes before you come when having sex. Oh, <laughs> interesting. I'm going to tell my partner that tonight. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. I love that there's a name for that. Like, that's so yeah. cool. Anyways, okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, is there anything you wanted to add before we say goodbye to the audience? No. Oh, thank you very much for having me on. I hope to hear from anyone that has any questions listening right now. I'd be happy to hear from you. But Perfect. Yeah. And yeah, definitely reach out. And thank you so much for coming on the show. And to you're my listeners. Welcome. Thanks for having me. <laughs> no problem. I was I was so excited, like I said before. Um, and to my <laughs> listeners, I love you. Bye.